for champagne, everybody. How's your week been, Danny? Hello, everybody. Oh, my week's just been good. Just trucking along, like they say. Um, I really have nothing new or fun or exciting to share. I did not do one thing this weekend. Good um, for you. Yeah. Like seriously. We we did pick up some more stuff in the lawn or the yard. Um, and oh, my father-in-law did rip out some dead trees in front of my house this week. So I mean that's exciting. Um I've been, you know, wanting to document more on my Instagram at Collie Avenue. Everybody follow me. But to be honest, like I just don't have it in me right now. So, you know, just follow along <laughs> and then just, you know, when, when you get an update, it's like a surprise, it's like a little fun surprise. I have been following along and it has made me feel super lazy. Um, it's been a challenge to find somebody to come clean my yard, not to mow it. I got my mowing kids are phenomenal. Yeah. And, but it's just like finding somebody to come clean out my garden beds, finding an electrician to come do landscape lights and, oh, I need to find a painter. So if anybody has any of these peeps hit me up, DM me on Instagram. Um, but honestly, getting somebody to call you back to yeah. return a phone call, to be responsive, what in the fuck? You know, there's a guy in Spalding I should give you. He's kind of like a handyman, like jack of all trades. And I should give you, I should give you his contact the, information. Cause I bet he would come to Albion. I, I need something like that. Like I just got little stuff, you know, that I might die if I did it myself, but somebody else probably wouldn't, you know, like I Honestly, just have a couple of light fixtures that need changed out. I don't yeah. know how to do that. I just learned how to plunge a toilet last week. I don't need to be like doing too much, you know? Yeah, I get you. You know, I'm not cut out for a lot of this stuff. That's why I am glad that Michael is around because like when I'm over it, I can just be like, hey, Michael, you want to help me? And he does. So I got nobody to tap out to. Once I start a project, I got to finish it and it's brutal. Yeah, I get you. I don't, you know, that's the one of the only perks of marriage. <laughs> honestly I have thought about that I'm like you know I'm gonna probably get married like if I buy a house that needs some renovations I'm gonna stick it through for like that 12 months until those renos are done and then I'm out like <laughs> honestly I don't blame you I got nothing you got nothing else I need here sir get the fuck out <laughs> oh this struggle is real well I hope you find somebody I'll give you this guy's information he's like yeah oh, let guy. me know let me know and I <laughs> hope he's not single because poor bastards about to... I mean he's like as old older than your dad probably so I mean like <laughs> I well it just I mean for safety purposes I did actually buy a new step stool because the one I had was like you know my family's like we're big people we're not like petite per se and so I bought a new um step stool that was like 300 pounds certified <laughs> that's what my family needs you know if I'm gonna ask them to come over and do some work it's probably a good idea it should be stable for an elderly gentleman to come you know change out a couple of yeah. uh what did you do this week um that's what I spent my whole weekend doing I repainted uh my spare bedroom and the hallway and painted the trim in my bathroom ran out of paint, had to drive to Columbus to get more paint, was super fucking pissed off. Um, yeah, it took me all weekend to do yeah, this. So 
Well, I can't wait to see it, but that's, I, I understand about like running out of paint. That sucks. Yeah, it really does. And you know, when I spent the whole, like all my free time doing that, coming home Monday, doing the touch-ups, I was like, I don't have time to do this. Yeah. My whole I wanted to get a couple of rooms in my house painted this weekend, but I didn't. You're good at painting. I'm not. Oh, I so. hate painting. Honestly, painting is the bane of my existence. I'm actually thinking I'm going to guilt my sister into coming out and painting for me. So I'll keep you guys updated on if the, if the sister guilt works. It's more of like the trimming part. Of oh, it. yeah. Well, and like the rooms that I'm painting are all wood paneling. So like there's like cracks. Oh yeah. So it's not like, oh, we finally get the trim and then you have to, you know, then you it's can like pull it on. wall you have to go in and oh it's such a pain. But yeah, so I haven't got that done, but you know, it's on the list. Sometimes I really like, you know, tease myself, if you will, and I get on Instagram and I find those um spray painters, you know, and I'm like, fuck. I have one of those. I'm like, that's nice. Yeah, but I don't want to tape everything off. Yeah, true. But I'm just saying if somebody, I could pay them to come do yeah. that. Just but now that I think of it, maybe it would be easier to tape the ceiling and the floor and just paint everything else. Yeah, just just come in. yeah. Just knock yourself out. Have a day. You know? oh. So anyways, that's, uh, that is what I did this weekend. It was very uneventful, a little depressing, but I did listen to a shit ton of podcasts all weekend. So, um, if anybody is like interested in um, like, I'm going to call it true crime or just like psychology behind um, some criminal cases, I did, um, I binged listen. So I'm out of, um, out of episodes on this, but it's called Conviction and they have two seasons out one of them is called one of them focuses on um the satanic panic of the early 90s when there was a lot of um i don't know like convictions and cases across the country about um child sexual assault and um some of the uh, therapy methods that were used along with there was a book about um, some therapy methods that were used on an adult that remembered like satanic rituals and had accused a lot of people about childhood sexual abuse and um, like satanic rituals and just kind of some weird shit but it yeah, I mean, crazy shit. And turns out like none of, so a shit ton of people were convicted of felonies across the country, you know, sentenced to life in prison, like really horrible things. And um, I think all but one have been um, vindicated of these crimes because it, it the research has been done and, and there have been appeals to prove their innocence, but it's just, it's, it's really interesting. Um, and so that's season two, season one focuses on, um, and again, I'm not advocating, I'm not saying that this is all over the country, but I just find some of these stories interesting. Um, 
there ha there's a focus on um, maybe some police misconduct in the Bronx in New York and some convictions, like wrongful convictions that have occurred because of that. Um, so that was interesting. I'm excited to see if they do a season three and what the focus on. So each season is like really, really different from the last. Um, that, sounds, I, that sounds really interesting. It reminds me of yeah, the serial was, podcast. It was an easy listen and each episode, like they would talk to a victim or an alleged victim and then talk to, you know, the alleged perpetrator and then talk to like private investigators, talk to the therapist, you know, they really covered all the bases. So it was really interesting to hear all the different points of view um, and, and to just kind of hear these stories. So if anybody's looking for a podcast, again, it's called Conviction and would highly recommend it. That sounds interesting. I'll have to check it out. Tell us, Danny, what we're drinking this week. Okay, everybody. This week we're having a blackberry mint mimosa. And this has um, two and a quarter ounces of fresh blackberry juice. And to get the juice, um, you just muddle fresh blackberries and strain juices with a cheesecloth or you don't need a cheesecloth. Just do your thing. Yeah, just strain it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we're not that fancy. You need five mint leaves, some sugar, um, a quarter ounce simple syrup, dry champagne or Prosecco, blackberries for garnish, and then a mint sprig for garnish. So what you're going to do is add the juice, mint, and sugar to a cocktail shaker and muddle to release the mint oils. Add simple syrup and shake well. Make sure you do not add the champagne before you shake because it will explode. Ask me how I know. <laughs> it's messy. <laughs> and then strain the mixture into a champagne glass and top off the champagne garnish with fresh blackberries and mint then serve and we are recording virtually this week so we're not actually trying this in real life but it sounds delicious it does and I am excited to make this recipe um because it just sounds kind of like not too summery like I feel like it's good it mm. is a good spring cocktail recipe I agree I agree. Sometimes we get a little too like pineapple-y and I, yeah. I don't feel like we're there yet, you know? It's not, it's not warm enough to be. We need to slow our pineapples. Um, so yeah, so, no. Yeah. This week is our last um, guest for our financial awareness month. So Brandy, do you want to tell us about Cassie? Yes, this week we are welcoming Cassie Fair. She has always had a strong interest in working with numbers. While attending college, she developed a passion in financial strategies and financial planning. After she worked in the financial industry for 15 years, with her last title being the first vice president, she decided to step down from her corporate job and started her financial consulting practice, which helps small business owners turn around their finances. While working at the financial institution, she developed deep passion helping small businesses she truly believes that if a small business owner is serving their purpose, they should be able to support their family doing what they do. She has a BA in finance and an MBA. She is the founder of Behind Those Heels, which is an organization that provides platforms to share stories from women who overcame major challenges. She's also an Amazon best-selling author, a speaker, and has been featured in Fox News digital journals, and market watch, along with numerous podcasts, local news articles, and YouTube episodes. 
Awesome. Let's welcome Cassie to the podcast. Hi, Cassie. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Such an honor. Well, let's just like dive right into this. Can you tell us about your journey on becoming a financial consultant for small businesses? Yeah, absolutely. So prior to starting my consulting firm, I worked as a VP at two major banks. Um, And throughout my banking career, I have witnessed so many small businesses that have made critical cash flow error that ending up put them out of business. So I thought, you know, I would like to create a more direct impact for these businesses. So I decided to step down from my corporate job, started my consulting firm and serving as CFO for hire for multiple small businesses that otherwise wouldn't be able to hire a CFO full time and just try to help them get back on track. Um, It's it's been an amazing journey. um, And I also got to share my personal journey on my personal finance as well to help more people improve their personal financial situation. Both Danny and I are small business owners. And so I, I am interested in maybe a couple of um, just pointers of mistakes that you feel that small business owners make when it comes to that cash flow. Because I think Danny and I have both, you know, learned from our own mistakes, but also see that as an issue as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the number one thing that I see over and over again is actually, is, is it, people don't usually grab that concept, but it's actually growing too fast. Now, most people will be like, what do you mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm getting more clients now. I'm more revenue. I mean, what do you mean growing too fast? Don't you want me to grow? Absolutely. But a lot of businesses, they have not yet prepared for that growth. They didn't retain any earning to, to sustain that growth. And what they don't realize is that, you know, the more money coming in, the more money will be spent. And all of a sudden they're thinking like, oh, we need better system. We need a better facility. We need to hire a VA. We need to pump in more marketing. And the next thing they know, they are out of cash. And another thing too is a lot of businesses, they will offer like 30 day for their clients to pay, but they pay their vendors right away. So if they're growing too fast, there is a gap. And, and that gap is going to grow them out of cash. Mm-hmm. So if, if a business is growing, it's absolutely great news. I love to see growth in businesses, but it's really essential that businesses need to retain some of the earnings to sustain that. That is such good advice. Um, I, was, I had a physical retail store for a few years and one of the best pieces of advice Um, my banker actually gave me was more inventory isn't always the solution. And he's like, in fact, most time it's not the solution, Um, which kind of goes to the fact of like, you need to have cash on hand, but how much do you recommend, like how many months of business um, do you recommend people have like in their bank account, like to keep their business operating? Yeah. And I think this is really the same for business and individual, because really you work for, your business so you can pay yourself enough to sustain your personal lifestyle and support your family. So my question typically is how quickly would you be able to replace that major client if you were to lose that client today? Is you know if if do you have any other sources of income that can support your expenses, your household's expenses? If you, you know, if something would happen to your business, because it's not just your business itself, like especially COVID, we learned a lot of uh, lessons from COVID. 
is not just your business, it's your client. Your clients can be impacted from various events. So if you have one or two major clients, if you were to lose those clients, how quickly would you be able to replace them? I think that would be a good way to tell. And if you have more uh, sources of income, like if you have wages as well, if your spouse works, um, if you have more sources of income, of course, that will be better. And then you might not need as much of a cushion. Typically, I do advise at least 10% retain to sustain that growth. It's um, coming, I was in a situation where um, the person in business didn't believe in that buffer necessarily. And um, now that I'm in my own business, I learned from like the anxiety of not having that buffer. And I probably like over cushion things too much because it, it is scary. I mean, you have other people, I always think, you know, you eat last as the business owner. So you have to make sure that your bills are paid. You have to make sure that your, your staff is paid and, you know, your responsibilities are taken care of before you get to really see that profit. And so uh, it's, it's such a good point. And I don't think people think of it that way. You know, they think, oh, the money's coming in so we can spend and buy and do all this stuff. And it's like, oh my God, please don't do that. Absolutely. It is. And I see that all the time. And, you know, when I first um, have, when I, whenever I have Clients, they, they really do rely on me to help them with their purchasing decisions. So over time, I, I just try to empower them and, and number one, to empower them, but also to have more free time because I can't possibly make every decision for them. Mm. So I ask them to ask three questions and this really works for both personal finance and business finance. And it will probably save more than 50% of the purchases and eliminate a lot of the wrong purchases. So the three questions is number one, do you need it? You know, same for your business and personal life. Do you need that purchase? And number two, do you need it now? Is it something that you need now or like 12 months from now? Mm -hmm. Right. And number three, are there alternatives that are cheaper? So a lot of times, like my client will call me and say, hey, I saw this equipment is such a good deal. Should I buy it? And I'll ask them, how often do you use that equipment? Um, two, three times a year. How much does it cost you to rent? Um, maybe 50 bucks, if that, you know, each day. Okay, so you're spending $5,000 on an equipment that will cost you $150 a year. How long do you think this equipment is going to last? Um, five years. Okay, so you're spending about $1,000 every year that you could easily just spend $150 on the equipment. So think about like, you know, alternatives. Are there cheaper alternatives? Do we need, need to own it? And then I challenge all, all of you guys to ask the fourth question is, you know, if, if you do need to put, make that purchase, why? Is it supporting your value or is it just feeding your ego? So answer those questions really is going to help you put you in the right track when it comes to spending. It's such a good point and something my dad, I always look up to my dad for business advice because he has been a successful business owner for a long time. But one thing he's always taught me is to like buy stuff secondhand, like a copy machine. It's so expensive to buy it brand new. And a lot of times you can get, you know, things were so much cheaper. So I've bought secondhand desks and copy machines and they work just as, just as well. They serve the purpose. And I've saved literally like thousands of dollars on that stuff. So I, I do think that 
you know, you see a mistake where people see like the new shiny thing and they just think, oh, well, I have to buy that because it's easy and it's here, but they don't take the time to research. Can I rent this? Can I buy it secondhand? Can I find an alternative for it? So that's A plus advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think that even in business, people are guilty of, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and they see something on Instagram or social media, or they see another business in town and they think that they need to be where that person is, but they don't realize either, you know, maybe the financial help that that other person had to start versus maybe where you are, plus how long the other person's been in business and how successful or not successful they are. Like there are so many factors that go that go into someone's business finances and personal finances that we don't see on the outside. And I think that it's such a dangerous game to play, you know, just trying to do something because you, you know, your competitors doing it. I, I love that. Thought. And I have urged many business owners not to discount their products and services, especially during COVID. And it's because they are looking at their competitors. What are they doing, right? And the thing is, when you're looking at bigger companies, they can afford to give out discount because of the volume, Mm -hmm. because they have more clients. So their overhead is not as, you know, they're allocating their overhead to more people so they can afford lower prices. But for small business owners, if they're losing clients, they don't get that. Their overhead is still the same and they're allocating to fewer people. So if they're lowering their prices, they really would have even a more uh, negative impact on their financial health versus, you know, the, the bigger companies. And sometimes we would, you know, it's human nature that we, we see other people on social media saying, oh, I just made 10K this month or I made 20K. We don't know the situation. Mm-hmm. Like the other day I was listening to a podcast from Rachel Hollies, I like her. And she said, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't know how long they've been doing it. Like you said, or the lifestyle, maybe maybe they need to make 20,000 just to maintain their $25,000 lifestyle. You know, we don't know their situation. That's so true. I always think about like retailers now, like clothing retailers, how everything is always 40, 50, 60% off now. When life goes back to, I guess, what we're going to call normal, how is it? No one's ever going to want to pay full price again for clothes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it is. It is. I, I, I see what you mean. And, and mainly because we don't really wear a lot of clothes now. It's their pants. No, definitely those, not. Those yoga pants, they're going to they're gonna be discounted. <laughs> um, so you do personal finance financial coaching as well. And we kind of talked about that a little bit with your business coaching. Um, but can you tell us how you paid off two mortgages in five years? Yeah. Um, a lot of people really, they, they have a hard time believing it. Um, but what it is, is, you know, number one, we don't, we don't place our value on material stuff. Um, I remember when I was owning the, the, the home that the first home that my husband and I had, it was, I mean, it was in a decent neighborhood, but it, it was not like the same neighborhood where my colleagues were in. Uh, it was in a safe neighborhood and the house was a lot smaller than other people. I mean, it was still big enough for the family. Back then we only had one kid versus now we have two. Um, but we purchased that home at the right price. We purchased it after the market crashed. So because nobody can really predict when is at peak, when is 
you know, when he's in the bottom, but everyone knows after, you know, the leg, the, the, the mark has made an adjustment. So we waited until the mark has made an adjustment. We purchased a home with very low mortgage compared to our income. I think it was less than 10% of our income with the mortgage. Wow. So we were able to, okay. and also we did a 15 year mortgage versus 30 year to save on interest. And we make double the payment whenever we can. And any like extra money that we have, we use it to pay. And then we sold that first home after the market adjusted back, which, you know, the, the price is a lot higher. So at that time, at, we already rented out that first mortgage and purchased the other home that's much bigger in a much better neighborhood because but at that time, my, my kids started school. So we need to be in a much better neighborhood. So I would say the timing of purchase, as well as taking out a mortgage that we could clearly afford and then some, uh, and then being really disciplined. That's so smart because so many people, just like Danny pointed out, it's like keeping up with the Joneses and your goal was let's get in the right house at the right time and pay more than what is owed, which I think is always key for anything to get uh, paid off, especially with mortgages or car loans or whatever. But um, that it's like, duh, but most people don't have the discipline to do it. So kudos. It's looking at the longer term versus short term, like pleasure. Like we still vacation, we still do fun stuff. We don't like eat ramen noodles every day. It's about, you know, budgeting and looking at what's providing us the most future benefit. I have to say it was not easy. There were times because my husband and I have very different belief systems. He believes in like everything growth. He, and he's, he, he trades a lot. Like he is a day trader. So he likes to <laughs> make a lot of investment on stocks. So me and him got in an argument. He's like, why are you paying off the mortgage? It's only like three or 4%. I can perform in like 20, 30% if I want to, you know? So we had that argument, but my, my argument was stronger that peace of mind was more important to me. Um, that if I know, like, if I were to lose my job, that everything would be okay. <laughs> so, and ultimately he agreed. And what we did is um, we ended up taking out an equity line from the home that was free and clear. So in case, like, you know, something happened or if we see like a really discounted uh, stock or something that we really want to purchase, we have access to cash. So that was something that we negotiated. <laughs> that's, that's good advice. I don't think that people think about too. You advocate for um, a certain type of budget that's like a 50-30-20 budget. Can you tell us exactly what that means and why you promote that? Yeah, so I would challenge that percentage to be even more different. But as a starting point, um, 50% of your income uh, should allocate to your household expenses. Now, 30% or less, I, I, in my case, I really urge you guys to be a lot less, would be like the wrong items. And then 20% would be between savings and paying off debts. Now, if you, if you personally, I would flip that percentage. I would say 20% once and then 30% household expenses, 50% savings and, um, and paying off debts. That would be my ideal percentage. But not everyone can do, because right now you have people that are spending 90% on more <laughs> right now. So, you know, baby step, right? Baby step. So you have to first, you know, let's take care of your baseline, you know, your household expenses. And then gradually, 
lower your want expenses. And I do think that if you can shift more to savings and paying off debt, the better. So ideally, I would even like to flip it to 50%, but let's do baby steps. Definitely. I, 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 I need I, baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we, we've talked a lot about budgeting this month, and I think that budgeting is so important. But another thing, you know, like, especially this last year with COVID, everything being so uncertain for people. I know a lot more people got themselves into debt because either they lost their jobs or, or whatnot. What do you have some steps for people that want to get out of debt? Yeah. So number one thing is, and I know it, it, it might sound cheesy because people say that all the time, but I, I really want to emphasize it's really your mindset is number one, because I hear this all the time. Like I live paycheck to paycheck. Um, I'm always going to be in debt. Uh, I don't make enough money to pay my debt. So yeah, because if you say that, it's going to be true. Because if you continue with that mindset, you're going to continue with the same behavior. You're going to have the same result. Mm -hmm. So the number one thing is really to change your mindset. Believe that you can do it and and start making gradual change. It, It doesn't have to be a big step. Like my client just started making $50 more on their credit card that's payment. And then I helped them with their repayment plan. And they went from over 20 years to less than five years repayment time just by $50. So it doesn't have to be a lot of work. It's how you pay them off, applying 100% focus. So what I recommend people to do is to I you know list out all the debt that you have. List out because you have to know what you have. You have to list out all the debts that you have, you know, interest rate, how much are you paying? How much do you owe? What's the minimum payment? And then make minimum payment on, on all, but pick one debt that you want to focus on 100% focus and any extra money you have, pay that off. Mm-hmm. Then, go to the next, then go to the next, snowball the payment, go to the next. And you will see the difference. You'll be able to pay off those debts so much quicker. That I think that's such a an easy task for people to do, but it it is like people think, oh well, if I put you know five dollars extra towards this payment and ten dollars extra, it's like no, just take all of that extra and put it towards the mm-hmm. one, and it's going to have such a big impact in the long run, or frankly, even in the short term, to get that debt down. Absolutely, and do contact your credit cards company. Yeah, do contact your credit cards company with COVID going on right now. Your credit cards company might be willing to lower their interest rates for you, or they might be willing to help you um, roll over another credit card and offer you like lower interest rate for balance transfer. Now, if you're going to do that, close out the either close out the other credit card or have discipline not to touch the other credit card because you don't want to end up with more debt. Um, but the key is, is to work with your creditors and see, you know, if you can lower the interest rate or come up with a plan to really get out of those credit cards as quickly as you can. I had heard that like closing out c- cards is bad for your credit score. Like it can impact your credit score, but 
you know, if you can't control yourself on spending, <laughs> put that like you always see on like the old TV shows where people would like freeze the credit card and water and put keep it in their freezer in case of emergencies. <laughs> <laughs> like do something like that. You're right. Cause not a lot of people have the discipline then not to like re-rack up the credit card bill and then you're in a worse situation than you were to begin with. Absolutely. And it can impact your credit score, you're right, especially the older one, like the, the credit cards that you have, the oldest, because you have all this credit history. But the, people don't realize is it will hurt your credit score, credit score more if you have really high balances compared to your credit limit. So by jacking up those credit cards, it's actually going to hurt you more than probably closing out the credit card itself. So be pay attention to how, how much are you spending on that credit card? And again, you know, it would make an impact if you just pay it down significantly or just pay it off. That's totally fair. I think people just think, oh, it's like free money. And admittedly, when I was 21 in college, my dad gave me a credit card for like emergencies, which my definition of an emergency was much different than <laughs> definition of an emergency. And I mean, it had like a very small limit, but as soon as he realized that I had like no responsibility to have a credit card, he took it, paid it off, cut it up. And I, I never got one again until after I was graduated from law school. So, um, it's not free money. You actually have to pay those off everybody just in case yeah. you're, you've done that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think more and more parents are now going toward like the prepaid card versus the credit card or cash secure credit card these days because of that reason. Like they don't know what their kids are spending on. No, they're going to have one of me and they're going to be like, you have zero, zero reason <laughs> to have a credit card. <laughs> so Much more responsible now, just in case anybody was wondering. We were. That's good. <laughs> um, okay, let's bring it back to your business uh, coaching. If a, if a, if one a person in our audience wanted to work with you, what could they expect from your business financial consulting? Yeah, so that's a great question. So typically, I would like to take a look at their financial statements, learn about their goals, what are they trying to achieve? Because your goal might be different from mine, so I never make any assumption. The client might, the end goal for the business might just trying to sell it, right? Like build up the value and sell it. Or maybe that that person's really passionate and they want to turn the business into like a franchises. So get to know the goal for the business owner. What What's the end goal? What are they trying to achieve with the business? And look at the financial statement. Ideally, I like to look at three years if the business has been in existence for three years, just to look at trending and see what happened, you know, if the expense, some kind of expenses spike or, you know, what's the revenue level. Then the next step is looking at their existing client database, making sure all of their clients are profitable, all of their contracts are profitable. We pricing, we, we price their contracts if needed, as well as looking at expense control if needed, trying to really help them maximize their profit and cash flow. You, Cassie, are obviously a... Um business owner. So what are some things that you wish you would have known prior to starting your business that you um, maybe educate or give these tips to your clients now? Oh, it's so many. 
But if I want to, <laughs> so many. <laughs> I mean, but if I want to name like maybe five, I'll say the number one is is know your why. It's not easy. Um, is you know a lot of people think that you know I'm working as a business owner. I have a lot of freedom. Well, wrong. You actually work more as a business owner because your business doesn't stop. Your business doesn't take vacation. So know your why is so important to support your journey. Know what you want to achieve, like your end goal. And second thing I would say is focusing on your most most important task. You know, and and you don't have to do everything yourself. And then, but in the beginning, you do have to do more because you don't have the resources to outsource everything. But just focus on the most important task. And uh, number three thing is you don't need to know everything. You just need to know more than your client. And I feel like that was something that I was struggling with in the beginning, even with my MBA education, with my extensive experience in the financial industry. I still struggle with that. So just know that you don't need to know everything. And the number four thing is focusing on your most important task during the time that you have the most energy. Because, you know, a lot of the time that we feel like we need to work 24-7, just figure out have a really effective operation system. And the fifth thing would be know your numbers. It's so important. And that's why I come in. Know how much you price your product and services and know how much you need to charge. Know your expenses. Know your bottom line. Those are some really great tips. They're very, like, they're so good and so simple, but mm-hmm. so many people don't know like a budget and how much their bottom line is, how much it costs to operate each and every month in order to profit what their goal is. So it, it just sounds like so simple, but so many people are very like reckless with that piece. So. (laughs) Yeah. Or else they think that like, well, as long as the money's coming in, you know, right now, I don't need to worry about what's going to happen in six months. But, you know, as we all know, as business owners, like, business ebbs and flows. It's not solid 12 months out of the year. So you have to save on the good months for the months that aren't so good. Absolutely. Especially COVID. We learned so much from COVID. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it was just one of those things that you realize like the world can literally shut down for a little bit. Like, (laughs) I don't know that we've ever experienced that in our lifetime. So to now know that, I think we all will probably spend money and save money a lot differently than what we did 12 months ago. Absolutely. I agree. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree. Um, So in your business consulting, what are three of the most common mistakes that you've seen businesses make regarding their cash flow? Yeah, so I address the number one thing is growing too fast. Mm-hmm. And the number two thing is pricing their products and services inappropriately. Sometimes we see our competitor or, you know, someone else is charging very little and we feel like we need to do the same. And not knowing the impacts of the allocation of your overhead can really impact your profit, especially if you're working the same hours or even more, you can end up making like $2 an hour. Mm-hmm. And number three, I would say is overspending or spending on the wrong thing. And people oftentimes they have ego, like they just feel like, you know, I, I need to keep up with my competitor. They just bought a brand new car. I need to have a brand new car and really not understanding like the why behind all of that. That's why I always ask tie back to why. Why do you start the business to begin with? Was it to have a fancy car to show to other people or you're truly trying to make an impact? So you know, go back to your why, ask those three questions like 
you know, do we need it? Do you need it now? Are there cheaper alternatives will really help keep saving that money and keeping that money? I really appreciate that because there are times when you get, you forget about the why and you get lost in all of the things that you want or you see for yourself and you forget about like, yeah, how am I going to make an impact? Do I want to make this type of impact? And so it's a good reality check and reminder to ask myself that probably at times. So thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Making sure your spending is in line with your value is so important. That will avoid you from spending because of your ego. I'm guessing that's kind of like one of the big things that you would recommend in avoiding some of those mistakes is just keeping uh, your values in check. Absolutely. Know your initiatives, you know, and, and business planning is huge. In fact, that's what I do every every year, like in the beginning of the year. And my business planning typically with my client could be all day because we talk about goal setting. We talk about initiatives for the year. And, and then everything they do is kind of like a blueprint you have to follow because we know there is an initiative that is going to support that bigger goal that they want to achieve. So all the activities, all the spending, they have to tie back to, is it going to help me achieve this goal? Is it support this initiative? So making clear on your initiatives on what goal is it supporting is so important. So you're not just spending money just to spend money. Cassie, you you have written a book and we didn't ask you about that at the beginning. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. It has actually nothing to do with finance, <laughs> nothing to do with money, nothing to do with numbers, believe it or not. Um, it's called Behind Those Hills. It's one of the organization that um, that I've created and is it's like my side passion. Um, I'm a big believer of and, and empowering them to speak their stories. Um, so the book is actually um, compiled of different women and sharing their personal journey and the challenge, the major challenge they overcome to become the person that they are today. So uh, I too share my story in, in my book. Um, and my, my biggest challenge in my life would be like childhood abandonment. And I share my very personal story of how I moved here from Hong Kong and how I experienced childhood abandonment. How, how was that challenge affect me? And how do I become the person that I am today? <laughs> so thank you so much for asking. It's my sad, side passion. <laughs> I love that. We love sharing like women, women's empowerment stories and journeys. So I love that your book focuses on that and that you've created an organization that focuses on that. Uh, well, Cassie, thank you so much. Where can our audience find you online? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook. I practically hang on Facebook all the time. I have a Facebook group called uh, That's Free Family, where you can um, attend a lot of free workshops. If you're a business owner, I have cash flow workshop that you, have, you can attend for free. Um, there are nine modules right now in the, in the group that you can, you can just browse through them and learn all about them. Um, and I also have free course available for personal finance as well for a group member and it's free to join. Um, and I also have a website, numbersnerdconsulting.com and I'll certainly love to connect with all of you. That's awesome. We will make sure to link that in our show notes and tell, and we'll make sure all of our audience knows where to find you. 
but we really enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode in this month on money. We'll be back next week with a whole, a brand new month with a brand new topic. But in the meantime, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes because that helps boost our podcast and helps other people find us. Also, tell your friends. Okay, love you, miss you. Bye.